0: Hey everybody, Jillian here, and just a heads up that this episode contains enthusiastic language, also known as some explicit language, so it may not be appropriate for the younger audiences. Grab those headphones and thanks for listening.
1: He was like, I don't know, my project just shut down, I'm not sure, I don't want to share this, I invest all my money, I invest all my, you know, my effort and everything. And at the end of his talk, he was crying first, and then he started hugging one of my partners that is his friend. And he was like, thank you very much for inviting me and for convincing me to come here.
2: What is a better way to connect people? Is it through talking about successes or failures? In this conversation, we are going to talk with Charlie Zimbrone, founder of Fuck Up Nights, who would argue in favor of the latter. I'm Tony Bacigalupo, it's Community Experience Podcast, and I've got Jillian B here with me as well.
0: I am also here. Hello. <laughs> Let's talk failure.
2: Let's talk failure. Carlos's story is amazing because it's something that started as a very simple conversation among friends, now spread to 35 locations within a year. It's all over the world. And it's all about failure, Jill.
0: Yeah, something we all know all too well, and it, for some reason or another. So why don't we ever talk about it? Why do we pretend it, it's a shame and it's something to put in the closet? Why not get around a, a bonfire with some mezcal and <laughs> talk failures and, and, and deepen relationships in the process?
2: Absolutely. In truth, the big takeaways here, number one, play with that stigma for yourself. If you have a failure or a shortcoming, something that has not worked out for you, how can you make sure that you've properly processed it and shared it with others? in a way that that helps you kind of release it and maybe bonded with people over it. And then two, how can you facilitate the sharing of failure in your community? How can you maybe create deeper bonds by inviting your members of your community to share their failures? Carlos is going to give you a lot of really great tips on both of these things as you hear his story in this conversation.
0: We also call him Charlie and Carlos. He goes by both and just be aware. Also, if you haven't figured it out, a lot of cursey words this episode. All right, let's get into it with Charlie Carlos of Fuck Up Nights. Carlos,
2: uh, Charlie. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you on the program.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here.
2: Can you just start us off? Tell us a little bit about why you call it Fuck Up Nights. What is the origin of this delightfully named... What kind of
0: fuck up happened to inspire Fuck Up Nights?
1: (laughs) Well, it's crazy because all the founders, we are from Mexico... For us it's not a strong word that is, is for other countries like English speaking countries, but we use it a lot, the, the word fuck, you know, and, and, and here in Mexico, because we are very close to the U S uh, and in that moment, like we were in a barbecue having fun and drinking some beer and mezcal because uh, we have barbecues here in Mexico with mezcal, not with. Any other thing? So uh, we were kind of drunk <laughs> at one moment of the barbecue, and we start talking about why we are very attached to these kind of events that, or these talks that are more oriented to success. You know, like TED or Bechacucha or any kind of that of conferences or, or talks of that kind. In, in that moment, there were a lot of formats happening. And we said, like, what's the most important thing about that story of success? We conclude that the most important thing was like the failure, but we didn't like any other name with the failure word, you know, it, it, because failure is not that simple. It's, it's more like strong. It's like, a, it's very direct. And some of, of my partners said like, what about fuck up? You know, fuck up. is like something that it sounds more like a failure, you know, but that's strong and it's hard, you know, it's a, it's a hard work in that exact moment. all of us were like, yeah, we like that. And um, it, it sounds great. Uh, and it could be like really uh, underground and punk, you know, and that kind of project that we like to do. And also it's a combination of our personalities. And yeah, I don't know. It happens like, kind of serendipity moment, but with a lot of philosophical conversation in the middle.
0: There's something very, like it's relatable, right? Like we know exactly like, oops, I fucked up. And it is, it's a, it's a learning experience. It's playful. It's playful in a way that I think takes the pressure off because like business failure feels awful, <laughs> but then to turn it, you know, and, and make it a, a learning experience is it's really interesting. I'm curious. So you're all based in, in Mexico your website, at least the website I see it's in English. So how do you say it in Spanish?
1: I don't know. In in Spanish, like the the actual translation is cagada. It's like like a shit a shitty a shitty like shit show. Like a shitty moment. Yeah. Okay. But it's not like that common. And we cannot make a verb with that, you know, like a catchy verb. So we don't use it that much. And we use like more like noches de fracasos that it's like Nights about failure, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't use like the actual translation of fuck up. <laughs> yeah.
0: The literal translation. That's fair. This is a total side tangent. But when I took Spanish in high school, which I didn't do a great job because I'm still terrible at Spanish, but there was a book we found that had all like the, like, curse words and like how to like slang in Spanish and we we're like yes now we can actually talk how people talk versus like hola como esta you know like the very formal yeah. way you learn at least in in American schools learning a language is all very formal and not useful language that you learn
1: we have yeah. a, a long list of curse words here in Mexico
0: yeah see I dig it I, I think uh I must be Mexican at heart then because I love, I love curse words. They're fun. It's
2: so funny because we, we want to talk about failure and we're going to talk a lot about that, you know, as we get into the episode, but profanity as a a bonding mechanism across cultures, <laughs> there's something kind of beautiful about it,
1: right? Yeah, we, we didn't thought about that at the beginning because it was like, you know, a small project in Mexico City, like about 20 people attending, but At the end, it works a lot. Like like everybody understands the word around the world.
0: So mezcal at a barbecue, have an idea. How did that turn into what it has become? How did, like, did you organize your first event locally to just be like, we should do this thing?
1: Yeah, exactly. At the beginning, it was like, let's try after the barbecue, we were kind of over, and we text each other and said, like, we have a good idea, right? Like (laughs) that thing (laughs) that we were talking about yesterday, like it was a good idea. And then we try out for the first time between us, between the five of us and talk about our biggest failure. That was something that I never shared before that day. And they, we said like, it was a great conversation. And it was like a really nice, Evening, and you know, like we, we have a, a really good time, and we decided to do it in the same space where the barbecue was. And we are five co founders, and all of us invite five people, you know, like <laughs> that's it. That was the first Fock of Night and three speakers. And one of us, like, was the first one in the story in the history of Fock of Night and three speakers, 25 people, 25 attendees beers and that was a, uh, uh, you know, a projector. And that was the first Focum night after that, the it was crazy because we, those five friends that we invited at the beginning, invite more other five friends. And it was like a, you know, exponential process word of mouth. We didn't have social media or nothing like anything. Then out of nowhere, like someone from Spain wrote us so like, I heard about your format. I want to bring the format to Spain. And in that moment, we realized we have something interesting and something bigger than we thought we had. We started <laughs> creating a manual and very improvised thing, but we did that. We shared the, the format with, with her. It was, a, it, was, it was a girl and she started there. And after that, like we opened social media and we opened all the possible channels and at the ending of the first year we were around 35 cities around the world like it was like a really big step and crazy year the first one
0: that's amazing 35 locations within the year so you created that manual for the first person in spain and then were you just able to just keep emulating that process of as someone approached you you'd say great here's here's how you do it
1: yeah like uh, Every day we change the manual. like we learn a lot of things after every event and we didn't know that it was, it's difficult to be conscious about the the size of the project when you are not in all the cities, you know, like when you are like just one city and you, you don't see the impact, but we were trying to improve all the documents or the materials and then we designed the logo and the, after the logo, the poster and the, you know, the flyer and the flyer, it was the same flyer for everyone around the world. And you are like, you start adding things to something that it wasn't supposed to be <laughs> a project that big. And yeah, like the most important thing is that we keeping do it. we didn't have like a business model or something, you know, designed to grow. But we keeping doing it like, the best we can in that moment and with all we have we were young also
0: <laughs> that always helps a little bit of exactly youth the the ignorance of youth can be very helpful because you you're not scared of things you just do it i mean it really says a lot that a group of five friends had this idea just did it you know slow growth just word of mouth and then obviously it was a great idea because 35 locations in a year without actually planning to do that. Like it just organically happening over time. What about that was hard? I mean, I I imagine you were all working other jobs and having to manage the growth of this, you know, the surprise growth. Were there growing pains or or challenges in that first year with this growth?
1: That one is the first challenge. Like we didn't have a business model and we cannot leave our paycheck jobs like just because we have like a great, cool project. So the first that did that was uh, Leti, Leticia, one of our partners. And she said like, fuck it, I'm gonna leave my job. And we decided to, between the other four, pay her paycheck for uh, several months. And after that, we started understanding like how to get money from this just to pay Letty, you know, like first to pay her and then to understand if we can grow a team. And, and our first idea was charging, like at, at the beginning, we grow a lot because all the memberships around the world were free. And we, we start charging the, the membership, you know, like, because that was our first, like the, the logical thought that what we have about how to grow Well, we are making all this this work for that people that are like having the memberships and organizing Focum Nights We're gonna ha- charging you know the brands, the everything we, we need, like the, the know-how and everything they need to organize a Focum Nights in their city. That was challenging also because when you are not charging and then you start charging and the business the model changed, the people are reticent to, to pay and we lost a lot of cities in, in that in that process. But a lot of them understood that it was like, important to monetize the project. And that was our first step. And then we find another one through, it was also a learning process. A lot of people that attend to up Nights were part of corporations, you know, like they just uh, attend up Nights because they like it, but they are working, they have a, a job in a corporation. And they start asking us if they can bring that format to their companies. Then we said like, okay, yeah, we can do that. And we start doing it for free. And then it was like, okay, we need to charge for this because it's have a lot of value. And we are like investing a lot of time on this. Uh, Our team is investing a lot of time. That was like the process that we had from a couple of cities and just one person to understanding and, and, and finding the business model to have a team.
2: So there's a lot I want to follow up on, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about the value of vulnerability and why does this particular event resonate? Like Why is this event different from other events?
1: Yeah, I think the first story that comes to my mind is the moment, the first event we had, the very first one, one of the speaker was... He wasn't really convinced about speaking at fuck up nights. You know, like he was like, I don't know, my project just shut down. I'm not sure. I don't want to share this. I invest all my money. I invest all my, you know, my effort and everything. And at the end of his talk, he was crying first. And then he started hugging one of my partners that is his friend. Yeah, and he was like, thank you very much for inviting me and for convincing me to come here. And I think that moment of catharsis, that it's needed to make the next step in your life in general, with in, in any failure in your life, that was represented there in that moment. Because he started like talking about business and, and numbers and everything. And, and he at the end of the, of the talk, he was like sharing very personal things without understanding when he broke like the limit of vulnerability, and he passed from a business talk to a personal talk in seven minutes because our format is really short—it's seven to ten minutes. That doesn't happen like when you are talking about your your success, you know, like because when you are talking about your success, is like going up and up and up, and then here you have like a different in the storytelling in the process of the storytelling. You have different like peaks and valleys, and peaks and valleys, and peaks and valleys. And at the end, he is starting. A, he, he end up in in a valley, <laughs> you know, like really down and and vulnerable and crying and everything. And I, I I I'm gonna go to a wedding next next weekend, and he's gonna be there. This guy, he texts me like, "I wanna see you, Charlie, because I remember the first time, the fuck up nights, whatever." You know, like he still have that memory uh, very fresh in in his life because it was an important moment for him. For all of us that, that talk at Pokemon, it's probably the first time we share our failure ever. Or at least more than five people, you know? And uh, that's an important moment. we are all first timers most of the of the times.
0: It takes a lot of vulnerability, you know. But there's something magical about that, I think. Like if you're willing to share those stories and none of, none, none of us want to, cause we live in a, a success society where it's like, Oh, look at me. Look at all the things I've done. Check my LinkedIn, you know, to organize a event where people who we would all consider like, you know, someone to look up to in some way in business. And then they share like, well, actually it's not all roses. Right. And to be honest with the valleys and the failures one, it makes us all feel better about ourselves, you know, but, but two, just like, there's something about that and, and having that environment to share that I think establishes certain kinds of relationships, um, with people. And, and to your point, you know, with that guy that you're going to see soon, like there's a camaraderie that comes out of that. That's really special.
1: Yeah. You connect with, well, the speakers connect with us because we invite them and, you know, this like a thankful uh, concept of that, but also with the audience, you know, like if you see someone crying a little bit during a conference, like you're going to c- connect automatically of, of someone that makes you laugh, you know, like the standup, because fuck up nights have this, like in this big and valley is like a lot of fun and, la- and laugh and then well, probably down and sad moments. And those emotions are... The ones that you connect with most of the time, you know, when you are with a friend or with a or your couple or whatever, you connect it through that, through laughing and sad moments and vulnerable moments, and also a lot of people in the audience said, like, okay, I'm not the only one that it's passing through this moment, because I see this guy in the stage that it's in the same context as me, and I understand. Kim, you know, I relate, and empathize with him.
2: Can you say more about that, the, the attendees in the audience, were there any kind of specific moments similar to the one you mentioned with your speaker where somebody came up to you or you overheard afterward that attending the event was really important to that person specifically?
1: We have a lot of emails. Uh, we have one that was crazy at the beginning, of the, I don't know, the second year or something like that, that it was a guy that said like, I was really th- having suicidal thoughts through that period of my life because I was really bad with in with my relationship with my family and my business was failing really hard, like a lot of money and everything. And I was like really lost in my life. Somehow I end up in a fuck up night event and I decide to not do anything, you know, like be more calm and after that, and for us it was like... I'm kinda of getting emotional right now because it was crazy that someone changed his life in that level just because they they attend to an event that you in my in my case, like we create like years ago. So yeah, it's crazy. Like we don't know exactly how we change people's life, you know? And I think it, it happens. It happens. Yeah. He wrote and We tried to contact him back and like be more in contact with him. It it wasn't like he, he replies and we didn't never meet him. But it's nice to, 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 know that people get a lot of value, you know, like from, from what we do.
0: Oh yeah,
2: absolutely. It's incredible. You might never know, right? Like there's people whose lives you impact, you, you never even realize it. And then in this case, you played your role in his life and you you may never meet him. You haven't met him. And, and that's part of the gig. Exactly.
0: I mean, how great that he contacted you though, to, so that you know that. And then, you know, cause even something as cool as fuck up nights, I'm sure, you know, as a business, you have the peaks and valleys, just like all business and to just remember the impact that the events are having on just everyday humans that, you know, Find the events for wh- however they do. And, you know, for every person that reaches out, there's probably a hundred that have similar feelings that didn't reach out. It's a,
1: yeah, totally. It's nice
0: to think, you know, totally. You're positively impacting the world by having people share very real human experiences that they might otherwise not share. That's special.
1: Yeah. And sometimes in, because in the position that I am, I'm trying to, I'm working every day and you're like, Really full in the operation of the, of the project and businessy things. And these kind of messages or moments remind you why are you doing that really? You know, like the real importance of what are you doing? Yeah. For me, and that makes me keep on like see the big picture and keep more distance from, you know, the business as because, because we are not a business, like we are not like selling you know, tacos and just because we want to have money and live from it. Like we create something that becomes a movement. And then we put like a business model on there on top just to make it viable. But we thought this was more like a change of culture. And then sometimes you forget that, at least happened to me, like you forget that you are changing, trying to change the culture in general in the world about that specific topic that is failure.
2: Is that what you're trying to do? Is to change the culture of the world?
1: Yeah, like change the culture in terms of eliminate or yeah, eliminate the the stigma about failure, you know, like or the paradigm that we create before about failure and success at the same time. You know, it's relative, totally, and it's correlated. Um, and we we don't we don't want to uh, eliminate failure from. The face of the earth, like we want to change as much as possible the concept that we have about it. At the level, we don't have to exist as, you know, fog of nights. Like my main goal is to disappear as a organization because the world doesn't need us anymore. So sometimes we don't believe in in competitors because if there is another concept similar to to the one we have for example they are helping to do that you know they are helping to change the concept of failure and it's like perfect let's work together or not together but at the same time
0: alongside each other
1: yeah exactly
0: that's such a great point because you know especially when you're mission driven like like fuck up nights is to embrace that other people might be trying you know with the same mission and i i've always believed there's enough business for everyone like We can all find our our way in the way we want to, or close to the way we want to anyways. That further just shows that you are invested in that mission because someone else doing it is like, cool, let's both work on this. Let's both get humans to accept that this is a very real part of the human experience, which is failure. And, you know, they're all learning experiences, right? Failures.
2: (laughs) Carlos, talk to me about the stigma. You mentioned a stigma. You mentioned why it's important to you, you've put a lot of effort into this. This isn't just for fun, although it sounds like it's been a lot of fun. Why is it so important? Why is there a stigma around failure? And like, how has that been for you? Have you experienced that stigma coming up?
1: Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I think we, we come from Mexico and Mexico have been living in a constant failure for a long time uh, in general. At least we, we, we think that. You know, like, at least Mexicans think that all the time. You are always working to, like, to be better and to show the world how good you are, you know? I was talking with an important writer here in Mexico, Juan Villero, and he said that it's logical, that it makes sense that a project that, as Focke of Nights came from Mexico because you are always experimenting that stigma of how to, how, how you fail and how you fail bad and how, how you have to became, uh, better than the other. And, you know, like that, that kind of, of competition that we have, we always have here. Uh, and I think it's a more structural thing for, at least for me, but when you propose the idea of talking about failure of, or learning about failure or just sharing failure, everyone's related with because everyone's have a, a little story, a small story or a bigger story about how the fear of failure affects them or, you know, trying to share an idea in a, in a meeting or that kind of little moments or bigger moments of fear to fail affect you all the time. How you decide things in your life. Or, I don't know. We have a lot of stories about life you know like your career how you choose your career in base of how not to fail instead on how you want to do or how it makes really how how it makes you happy really you know like for example i in my case my dad uh, he was like for a long time trying to convince me to to become a civil engineer and i went, i wanted to be an architect Like it wasn't, I wanted to be an architect, not a civil engineer, but he said like, no, because an engineer is going to be more successful and it's easy to get a a job and everything, you know, that classic things that...
0: Classic dad moves.
1: Exactly. And at the last time I changed my application to the university, to architecture, and I now I am a failed architect, (laughs) but I am an architect, you know? I decided to become an architect and study that and that makes me super happy and uh, I was really uh, happy during the university and it was a right choice, but I was super pressured about you have to become an engineer because engineers are more successful than architects. And yeah, I think we have, all of us have stories like that in different levels. At the end are like part of our fears, you know, like, these uh, fictional fears that are created by other people and we buy that fears from other people, probably from the society, from the system, etc.
0: There's, there's such a common thread with the, the pressures, whether it's society or dads, you know, or whoever put on us and avoiding what society considers failure, right? We're also afraid to fail or be viewed as failures, And so we'll do the, you know, we'll do whatever we can to avoid it, which even would even include like considering a totally different career path, you know, to avoid the fear of like, oh, I won't make as much money. And then therefore I'm a failure, right? When in reality, choosing your own path and not worrying about that can lead to great success in in that same like frame of success versus failure. It's an interesting thought. Architecture school also sounds more fun because you can like create buildings. I've actually heard it's very stressful. Our, uh, our content team actually did an entire season of a podcast called Flops. And every episode is a failure story. So it's very, very similar. And I think it's episode eight. Is, is it Dr. Samuel West? But actually, part of how we found your organization was because he was a speaker at one of the fuck up nights. Uh, yeah, Dr. Samuel West with the Museum of Failure. Yeah, he was one of the, the big episodes for the Flops podcast, so anybody listening can go check that out if you want even more failure in your life.
1: That's a, that's a, a good example of projects that, that are cool to exist, that we love, that exist at the Museum of Failure, yeah. So.
0: Right. I feel like the ultimate event would be a fuck-up nights hosted at the Museum of Failure. Maybe it's happened, I don't know, but uh, that'd be... Genius idea. Yeah, that's the ultimate. We can all meet there. <laughs> All right, Charlie, I'm going to ask you a series of questions and the goal is rapid fire. So one word to one sentence answers to my questions. Okay, let's start right off with when you were a boy, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Again, football player, soccer.
0: Football player. How do you define community?
1: I'm going to use a word. It's love.
0: Oh, I love that. Okay. Do you know, do you know what a bucket list is? Like yeah. having a bucket list? Yeah. Okay, cool. What is something that's on your bucket list that you have done?
1: That I have done actually. Like, mm-hmm. First of all, I don't have a bucket list, <laughs> but, but if I, if I did, yeah, I, I bought a, you know, a foldable bike, a Brompton one. Yeah. And I travel a couple of times through Europe with the foldable bike. Oh, fun. I want to do more of that, much more than I can. But yeah,
0: yeah, soon enough. Okay, and then I know you don't have a bucket list, but if you did, what's something you really want to do that you haven't done yet?
1: I want to build my own house in the forest. Ooh, with my hands in the forest. I don't know, like in the woods. No, in the forest. Yeah,
0: yeah, forest. Yeah. Okay, what is a book that you really love? that you could share with our audience?
1: It's one that I'm actually, I'm reading right now. Uh, it's about, it's a cro- chronic. I don't know if that is the word in English. Oh, chronicle? Chronicle, yeah, chronicle stories about Mexico City. And I I love the city and it's about this writer actually that I mentioned before, Juan Villoro. And the name is Vertigo Horizontal. I can send you the, the words. And it's, yeah, it's about, stories of the city and you, you can relate a lot because when you live here and you understand like that happened to me like <laughs> and that's crazy that's
0: awesome all right if you could live anywhere else besides Mexico City in the world where would you want to live?
1: there's a lot of options but I visited like two or three years ago I visited Hawaii you know the, the big island of Hawaii and it was crazy I love it uh, the, the, the idea of Snorkel every day if you want, and you know, very connected with nature. Hawaii is a a great place to do that.
0: The island life. All right. And final question How do you want to be remembered?
1: I don't know. As a good person that listens, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think someone that it's easy to be with. I think nowadays it's very difficult to find someone that it's easy to be with. And I want to be that person.
0: I love that. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. We love what you're doing. Where can our audience find you on the internet?
1: In the interwebs? Well, I use uh, Instagram personally. Uh, you can find me as Carlos Simbron. And as Folk Up Nights, also in Instagram at Fuck Up Nights. And in Facebook also, uh, slash Folk Up Nights. Yep. Those
0: are our accounts. Those are the handles. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you very much. It was fun. Thanks, Carlos. Okay,
2: that was Charlie Zimbrone, aka Carlos Zimbrone. What a good dude. I just love him. He's, He's legit.
0: I mean, and an architect, a previous architect, a failed architect, as he called himself, Living in Mexico City, like, when can we visit? I bet the architecture in Mexico City is just gorge. I'd love to walk around the city with him. Be like, tell me all about the buildings. But that is a conversation for another day, because today it's all about fucking up.
2: And what a great encapsulation of the importance of, first of all, recognizing failure is stigmatized for many of us. It maybe isn't as much so in some cultures, I don't know if you know of a culture where it isn't stigmatized, please let me know. I want to interview someone from there. I
0: want to go to there.
2: but uh, failure stigmatized, and again, we come back to this Jill, where there is stigma, there is opportunity for community and connection
0: yeah, I mean there's just uh, there's so much there, there's so much about the power of vulnerability and embracing it, and by doing so you can kind of accelerate relationships, the building of relationships, because, you know, radical candor, just being willing to to share things that our society has deemed something you don't. And even looking back in history and like what people used to, like mental health, you know, I'm sure all of our like great grandparents and stuff, everyone always says like, oh, there's something wrong with them. But, you know, there's such a stigma about talking about it or finding, getting help for the sake of everyone. <laughs> You know, and and we've come a long way with that. And it is it's it's kind of sad that so many people had to live their lives in the closet in some way, I guess. And so failure is very much, I think, one of those things. And there is something beautiful about feeling safe enough and in, in the right environment to say, like, "Look, you see me as a super successful person, not me personally, but you know, the the, the person in my mind's eye." But guess what? I have a story to tell that you will be surprised by. And I can also tell you how I learned from it. And we can all learn from it now. Like being able to do that, it's brave, but it shouldn't have to be, right? So I love what Charlie is doing um, and his group and how they're helping address that.
2: You know, and actually there's a bit of a nuance there about what stage you're at post-failure. He mentioned the story of the guy who did not know if he was ready for it, ended up crying afterward his experience of sharing his failure was about processing it really and coming to terms with it.
0: And it's healing work, right? And it's processing and, and it's all things that especially with failure, we just kind of want to shove to the side and be like, la-di-da, I changed direction. When in reality, like there's trauma there that you have to address and to, to know that you're not alone. Like th- to your point, the guy who he failed, but then he learned, he, he launched something new and it was successful. To, to realize that is kind of the cycle and it's okay. It's okay. Let's all just give ourselves a break.
2: <laughs> the value of the clever name, certainly. Like you could call it the failure meetup or something. But when you see that name, Fuck Up Nights, and it's like, oh, wow, these guys, they have a sense of humor about it. This is interesting. I want in. Yeah. So go check out a fuck up night in your city. If there is one. They're everywhere. If there isn't one, go sign up to run one. Your community, if you have one existing, maybe you can... Run one within your community. You can probably learn a lot from it and maybe just have a really good time while you're at it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next Tuesday.
2: This has been the Community Experience. For more information on this episode, including links and show notes, head over to smartpassiveincome.com slash listen. You can find Charlie, a.k.a. Carlos Zimbron, at underscore C-A-L-I-X-T-O, C-A-L-I-X-T-O underscore, on Instagram and also on Twitter. You can find Fuck Up Nights at fuckupnights.com. Our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Our series producers are David Grabowski and senior producer Sarah Jane Hess. Editing and sound design by Duncan Brown. Music by David Grabowski.
0: See you next time.